In this episode of Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Chris Cage about founding an e-commerce foods business. This is a Business of E-Commerce, episode 120. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Chris Cage. Chris is the founder of Green Belly Mills, a company that he founded in his mom's kitchen after hiking the Appalachian Trail. Greenbelly makes a ready-to-eat Mills bar loaded with dense nutrients for hikers and adventurers. I asked Chris on the show today to chat about his experience launching an e-commerce foods brand. So, hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Charles, what up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome to have you on the show. That um, We're just chatting before the show. Currently, you're abroad, right? So, you're originally from the U.S., but currently you're... Yeah, I'm in Chiang Mai, Thailand right now. If you can tell, the, <laughs> it's dark. Yeah, but um, yeah, we are worlds away right now. Yeah, I'm in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Yeah, so and that's, I know we had to uh, do some time sticking here. It's early for me, late for you, but so thank you for taking the time. Super yeah, man, curious. thanks for having me. Yeah, but yeah, we, we're a little bit off on time zones for sure. <laughs> exactly the opposite almost. I think actually it might be the opposite. Um, it's super interesting, your kind of the background. So ready to eat backpacking meal, right? So this is a bar. So you guys sell, it's a bar specifically if you're a backpacker, um, like a protein bar sort of thing, or what exactly is it? Yeah, it's uh, two large fluffy meal bars inside a single package that provides 650 calories. Uh, so we use all natural ingredients and really just try to focus on a high macro nutrient label. So High calorie, protein, fat, fiber, all that good stuff. So for hikers, which is my background, is I was a hiker and hiking the Appalachian Trail and hiking 20 miles a day for six months. That you know, I, I said, hey, you know, I was losing a lot of weight, and weight is a weight on your pack is a huge priority because you generally have maybe 100 miles or five days in between resupply points that you need to uh, make sure that the food you are carrying in between those resupply points is as nutritionally dense as possible. So that was kind of the, where the idea came from is get creating a product that's going to be nutritionally dense. So if you're burning 5,000 calories a day and you could have to, and you have to carry all the food, you know, in your pack for the next five days, it really needs to be dense. So started thinking about creating a really dense, uh, lightweight, ready to eat meal that, you know, was all natural. So, Okay. Yeah. I don't talk to too many people that are in the kind of actual food space. I feel like that in itself <laughs> is like its own thing, right? How to actually package it. Like you just can't, you know, you can't do the bare minimum. You actually need to like really make sure it stays fresh. There's a lot of things that go into that. How did you know all that? How did you figure all that yeah, out? Yeah, you're you're 100% right. I think, uh, I think it's a higher barrier to entry, which is good and bad. It's bad for the person starting off. It's great. I feel like once you kind of get going a little bit, um, but, but at the, you know, when I start, I started off and I hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2013, which that at the, when I completed the Appalachian Trail, I prior to leaving, excuse me, I don't know if you know what the Appalachian Trail is. It's, it's a hiking trail that goes from Georgia to Maine and, um, it takes six months to hike. So I had quit my accounting job to hike that. And, I I had no idea what I wanted to do when I finished it. Um, so I knew that I didn't want to go back to be an accountant. And I was kind of thinking about 
starting a business. And based on my hiking experience of the past six months, I was pretty familiar with the backpacking food market. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take a stab at this uh, high calorie ready to eat, you know, meal concept. And I really didn't have that nailed down too, too much. I started tinkering in my mom's kitchen. So after that Appalachian Trail, I was, I didn't have, I only had a little bit of savings left from being an accountant. So I was living at home with my parents and <laughs> trying to come up with, you know, this, this business idea for this meal. And it, at that time it was actually just mixing like nut butters and peanut butters together, trying to get a high calorie ready to eat thing together. And I quickly realized that this is not going to work. Um, just mixing up stuff in my mom's kitchen. So, um, yeah, I started to think about working with somebody else. I knew this was going to be way over my head. I needed to be shelf stable. I needed to taste good. There are all these things that this food product had to be. Um, and I, yeah, I realized very early on that this is, it's over my head and I needed to kind of, uh, hire somebody that knew on that, um, front. So that was, I really spent, uh, the last of my savings hiring that food scientist. And that was, that's what they were called. The food scientist is somebody that can help you formulate a food product. So I've, yeah, that was, that was it. You know, I really didn't know what I was doing and I just thought, you know, hopefully I, I had an idea of a concept that I wanted to work with and I just worked hand in hand with that food scientist developing the product. And then I went to uh, hiking festivals and handed out the samples and kind of got some feedback, making sure that what we had created was tasted good and the concept seemed sound and you know, all that, all that stuff. So I, I really just kind of went, went for it, you know, those first six months, you know, and, uh, I honestly, I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so how, so how old were you then? So I'm 31 now, I guess I was about 20, Six okay, when all right. when I was twenty six when I was first starting doing all that maybe tw you know in twenty seven I think when I first really launched the business. Yep, I'm just so. kind of curious, yeah, because where people were, you know, so spent, right. spent all your savings living living in a parents' house, um, and then just kind of said, all right, like let's make a go of this. Um, so then you're twenty six, twenty seven, and were you did you ramp up processing yet at that point when you started selling them um, at festivals or were you just still like did you figure out the recipe, but you were making very small batches yourself? Exactly. So there are cottage food laws, which allow you to sell within your state if you're selling under $50,000, which is perfect, right? It's just like a, um, a, a testing ground, right, to make sure that this this idea was um, was going to going to float. And, that, so and those food laws, you don't need to like um, – like a special kitchen or exactly. And that's what they're designed to do. So it's like, if you go to your locals, local farmer's market and you see maybe some guy, I don't know, selling a pie, right? Like he's not in, in a commercial kitchen. Probably he's going to be under cottage food laws, depending on what your state you're in. Right. Um, but in general, so anyway, I, I was making these in my mom's kitchen by hand. My mom was helping me and I was packing, packaging them all, um, boxing up orders, shipping them out. And, uh, once I kind of like got a few orders coming in, I started thinking about launching a Kickstarter. I didn't have any money. And I, th that was in late 2014. I started thinking about, okay, we have some sales here. Um, I don't know if this product's really going to go bang, but I, there's enough here to, um, take a step back and, and try to get some more money to take it to the next step. And, 
that's so I started planning a Kickstarter for March 2015. So I did a Kickstarter in March 2015, which raised nineteen thousand dollars. And you know, at the time, I thought it was it might as well have been a million bucks. I thought it was how much was it? I thought it was it was nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand. Okay. So and you know, um, at the time, it was exactly what I needed. You know, it was enough to do what needed to be done, which was get into a certified facility. Um, so now we had this order from the Kickstarter that that allowed us to go to approach a facility and say, "Will you make these, you know, for us?" And that's when things got set up. But you know, well, yeah, now it's it's, it's entertaining looking back. Like, what was the Kickstarter? Um, so they were paying to for the first run of this, and how many people actually kind of bought into that? Uh, I don't. I mean, I actually don't even know the the how many people. I know the dollar amount is nineteen thousand, but <laughs> that was the focus. A few, hundred, a few hundred, a few hundred customers, right? Yep. Something along those lines, and um, that was just a, a large enough order for me to go approach the facility and say, "Hey, are y'all interested in uh, making these, as well as having a potential partnership going forward to make future runs?" And uh, it was a small kitchen in Kentucky, and they said, "Sure." And um, that was that was the beginning of kind of getting turning Greenville into a real business. Is starting that um, after that Kickstarter and. Uh, because after that, I didn't have to be making them anymore. I was not packaging them. I was not shipping all the orders. That's really all I was doing before. You know, I didn't have much time to do other stuff. So, um, yeah, that was that was a huge turning point. Is is getting that off my plate. Which, so we had the Kickstarter in March 2015, and then a few months after that, we started making the um, the order and getting everything out. And then, you know, the, the business was really started to. Uh, I was able to focus on growing the business in late 2015. So. Okay. Yeah, I had um. We were talking before Chad from Board Game Tables on here, um, and they actually had a similar story where they wanted to do it, raise the Kickstarter, and use that to fund the first run of development, basically. Um, yeah, it's it's super cool. Uh, I, I was saying, like, I think nineteen thousand dollars <laughs> seems very humble now, looking back on that and and what I was able to do from it. But it was it really was critical, you know, in that in that first phase um, when I didn't have any money. That nineteen thousand dollars gave us exactly what we needed to get to get off the ground, you know? Well, and it probably gave you the kind of, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but confidence in the product that this is something people want. Like, you know, it's not, cause one thing going to a festival, right? Where you look at someone in the eye and you're like, Hey, this is great. And you can really sell it and talk like maybe just a good salesperson. But the fact you can go and sell 19,000 online, you're like, Oh, this is diff. Like, I don't need to be face to face. Like maybe I can sell, if I can sell 19, I can sell a hundred and a million or whatever that number is. It definitely did. It definitely, it definitely gave some confidence. I think that's a good word for it. And I, you know, I think back to your point about, you know, people telling me to my face. I was handing out the bars for free, so <laughs> I mean, there was. So, yeah, so not a very good indicator. Of course they're gonna, yeah, yeah, of course they're gonna take it, right? Yeah. So I mean, that was the real financial exchange of them, you know, being paying for it from the Kickstarter. So yeah, so I feel like that's so that's that moment. It wasn't just because like right, you maybe parents for uncle or something could have given the 19,000. Right. But like, you know, once you know, Oh, people that don't know me, never met me. I'm not giving them right. anymore. They gave me that 19. was now. That's the, that's the coolest thing. When you start seeing people come in, you've never heard of buying your stuff. Yeah. I remember actually, um, I first went to e-commerce. I had a, a computer here just sat in the corner and all it did, it was set up to every time someone, uh, added to cart, it made a ding. 
like a little effort just sound. <laughs> it's just like the dopamine rush of when that happened. Oh, it was totally, like, right. There was like once it was a ding when it went add to cart and a, a ching when it went checkout. That's the Pavlov's dog. Just <laughs> it was yeah. And then at some point it got too much, but like at the beginning it was just sitting there like, and you'd hear the ding and you're like, oh my, it's the best thing ever. Yeah, that that first little hit is it's and it's addictive. Um, because then you know, totally. oh, people actually want what I'm selling. Totally. So then where did you, so then this was, what year are we talking now? That kind of Kickstarter. 2000, 2000, March 2015 was when the Kickstarter launched and kind of had the order, orders shipping by, I believe, August and August. Yeah. And, and then from there I was marketing, right? Yeah. How do I get to, how do I get this thing going? Cause the operations, um, was off my, off my plate. Right. Yeah. So. Well, so, and this is, so we're talking kind of before about, you know, folks that make a lot the Amazon is like their focus or they're trying to sell on third party marketplaces. This is a little different, right? Because you're not saying, Hey, this is like a bar for everyone. Like, you know, if you're just a 18 to 35 male, like you should eat this. This is a very specific niche. Like, you know, backpackers, like I'm guessing there's backpacking groups or forums or backpacking something where, you know, these people are their hair and let's go find them. Totally. Yeah. The, so, I mean, the next phase was grow, like how do we grow this and get sales? Right. And that was, um, also, I think I've, a big point around then was trying to define what are we? I'd started off no doubt as a, as a hiker, hiker, a product for hikers. That was my background. That was the intended use. Um, but it was also like in, in our infancy, it was, you know, we were getting all sorts of ideas and when you're small, it's easy to be nimble. And lots of people were, you know, talking about, well, maybe there's a better application for this for cyclists or, you know, maybe there's a better application for this for ultra marathon runners that are going running, you know, hundreds of miles. So um, that was kind of like, really, I was trying to just figure out where do we fit, right? It was it was so early enough that um, the marketing and branding really wasn't spot on. It didn't really need to be spot on. I was just kind of, you know, feeling things out. Um, and eventually I, I did really come in, kind, of, kind of come full circle back to the backpacking market and the initial wave was sending out lots of samples to PR outlets and saying, you know, we kind of have the best backpacking meal out there, right? We're ready to eat. We're all natural. We're a lot more efficient than these other products. We're a lot lighter weight. We have more um, kind of, you know, all these things. And that, that got us a lot of good write-ups, you know, early on from small, medium and large blogs, websites and outlets. So that was a, a great first wave. And after that, I started working on a lot of content, a lot of blog content. And th that was that was and is one of our main pillars for sales. It's, it generates a lot of traffic to our website. Um, yeah, that's 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 one of our main our main jam is is doing content marketing and doing SEO optimized blog posts for anything and everything backpacking related. So then somewhere along the line, Amazon's such a Titan, obviously we went ahead and just listed on Amazon. So because we are listed on Amazon, we do um, get sales by default just because we're there. I think a certain percentage of our customers just say, you know, I, Hey, what do you know? I'm an Amazon prime member. So I'm going to, and I'm looking for these, these green belly meals. I'm just going to go buy them on Amazon. Um, I don't have, it's hard to know the data really like what, 
what the intent and where a lot of that traffic is coming from on Amazon. But uh, since day one, we've been sell, a Shopify brand. Do you sell at the brand. same price point on Amazon? Roughly. Okay. Roughly. It's a it's a hair more expensive on Amazon, um, but it's it's roughly the same. Okay. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're still mostly Shopify, and I I want to stay mostly on Shopify. Mm, okay. So, yeah. It's, yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of brands and products start off very uh, you know data driven, right? Like what's the keyword volume, and they try to find their their you know hole in the market to you know fill. And that was not my intent starting off at all. I'm not saying that that's I mean, I, I now knowing what I know now about a lot of the data-driven stuff, I think it's a very interesting way to launch a business. But that's not how we started off, and frankly, it's a unique product. So there are not too many keywords we really nail, um, which has been, I think, a blessing and a curse. We've kind of had to define what we are, um, but it's also been very beneficial in the fact that there's not much competition. Um, and it's enabled us to maintain, I think, a, a good brand presence off of such a keyword-dominated platform like Amazon. Well, I think you said an interesting thing a moment ago where you, this – so this buyer, right? It's a high-calorie, good for people that are going a long distance, need a lot of energy. And it's good for hikers, but it also could have been useful for several other markets. Um, I know someone did a, a century, like uh, cycling for um, – and 100 miles, I've known folks that have done um, like backwoods skiing. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, where they spend like the whole day, you know, climb to the top and they do one run down. And those all kind of remind me of things where this could be applicable, right? Like they all need to basically carry the food in their back, go for a long distance of day or days, right? But you kind of, and you saw that, but said, let's double down on, let's just focus on this one niche, this like very specific niche. So you're not trying to just be an energy bar for outdoors folks. You're trying to be, this is a bar for this very specific. Um, we always talk about having a certain, you know, like exactly someone that you go after. And that's one of those things you were very focused on that. And that, so that yeah. wasn't data driven. That was just kind of, you just knew this felt right. Let's kind of go for it. Combination of feeling right and a little bit of experimentation with different markets and just seeing throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But um, yeah, totally. It just came back full circle that the backpackers, backpackers made sense, you know. And by focusing on that niche, it really it gave us kind of a sharper spearhead, right? You know, um, which I think before you know, the classic saying is like you market to everybody, you market to no one, which. That was us to a T or me to a T. You know, it was like, oh, maybe we're this like ready to eat meal for people on the go, right? Maybe we are. There are all these things and all these ideas, you know, people were trying to bounce off of me. And, um, you know, I, I think fair enough, right? Maybe there could have been another market that would have worked better than backpackers. But um, ultimately, it really helped to hone in on a specific market and, and just speak to that audience, you know, and go full throttle with them. Did you ever read the book um, April Dunford? Obviously, awesome. It's on branding. No, I'm it, not. Yeah, good book. I'll link to it. Um, it's fantastic, and it kind of reminds me of this on knowing who we are and kind of focusing like right on that. Because it sounds like, and this is one of those things where this business could have gone fifty different ways to fifty different markets, but you just kind of chose a path and went heads down. And that also sounds like it allows you to build that content. And you know, so when you're writing an article, it's just not how to have more energy in the morning, you know, drinking your coffee. It's, you're, you can picture the guy, the guy or woman on the Appalachian Trail, pack, you know, 
pack behind them, climbing 20 miles a day, hiking 20 miles a day. So you know, and you know how to talk to that exact person because you've lived it. 100%. 100%. I think what's also even more interesting beyond that is you start to see other markets gravitating towards that market, right? So if we're targeting through hikers and long distance backpackers, you start seeing, well, the everyday backpacker looks to those people for their gear source. And then now we've, I know one interesting thing is we started to see hunters. Um, I didn't even know hunters did this sort of thing, but hunters look towards long distance backpackers a lot of times for their gear, you know? And so they're starting to say, we have a, we have a chunk of our, I think it's 15% of our customers are hunters now, which I had no idea. So it's interesting by sticking with a, sticking with something, you start seeing this kind of ripple effect of, um, other markets gravitating towards that one. So, hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you call them and tell them that's not what that's used for? You cannot buy. <laughs> Stop, please. This uh, is not for hunters. Yeah, Stop. Stay away. So, so then at the, at the side of the show, we're talking, you're currently, so you're baking the product of packaging it in Kentucky, but you're currently in Asia. How did that happen? Yeah. You know, going back to completing that pleasure trail in 2013, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I had a little more backstory prior to hiking the Appalachian Trail. I was an accountant up until I guess 2011, and after 2011, I went and traveled. I did a bicycle tour in New Zealand. I cycled, bicycled the length of the country, um, hiked the Appalachian Trail. I volunteered in Asia. I taught English in Thailand. Volunteered in orphanage in Cambodia. So I was traveling a lot, right? And I just loved it, right? I was like really into it, and I had gotten. I'd been exposed a little bit to the kind of the four hour work week stuff, right? And the, that whole stuff is, is everybody's aware of, of how, you know, that, that book now and, you know, the concepts around the digital nomad thing now. Um, but at the time it, it was just fascinating to me, the fact that you could kind of work, you know, and continue to do all these fun travel things that I'd been exposed to. So yeah, I feel like that's really early generation, that book, like. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to have an interview and bring up for our work because it's so cliche, but yeah, that's, it's one of those it, books. It, yeah. I feel like a lot of people, one of those you, books, man. Yeah, and it like changed it's the, cool. like opened, ever, opened a lot of people's eyes. to so just like, oh wow, there's like a different life possible. Um, and it's probably when you're coming out, like, you know, teens, twenties where like you're picturing, oh, I'm going to go get a job, be an accountant. But then all of a sudden you kind of saw this like other world. Yeah. Like, I don't need to, like, I don't need to sit at that. Desk Wait, I don't, I don't have to live like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah 100%. Tim Ferriss gave us, he allowed us all to, you know, give up, he gave us permission not to live like that, which is fantastic. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Tim. 100, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, yeah, I think so early on in the days of starting the business, I thought that was ultimately the goal was not necessarily to make a ton of money or anything like that. It was, how do I fund a lifestyle where I can live wherever I want? So that was really, a, you know, I was, I was trying to be an architect and, and make this kind of business work for me to, to live this lifestyle. So it took a long time for me to be able to really do that. But yeah, I'm in Asia now and outsourcing production was crucial early on. You know, that first year I, I lived in a really cheap apartment in Thailand, you know, and, um, but you know, since then it's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, it's been, Yeah. So, Interestingly enough, I think I'm like five years or four years into it. I'm thinking about being in the States more now, you know, being there full time. But um, it's been a fun run. <laughs> for the business or just because you want to be in the States? 
both. The business is, uh, I definitely, there's definitely friction being 12 hours time zone off for sure. Um, so I think in the past, I've got a plane coming over. If you hear it, Ch- Chiang Mai is right over the uh, <laughs> flight path. But um, yeah, the business calls, I mean, that, that, that's the increased more every year, the amount of time I need to spend on the phone with business calls. And that just forces me to be up late in Asia. So um, that's that's definitely a reason. But also, I'm getting older. You know, I'm considering moving back to the States and getting married and doing all that stuff. And, um, and I think also a little bit like there's a little bit of diminishing returns with traveling and seeing new country after new country. It's kind of like, mm, I love traveling, but I think every new country I see gets a little less exciting. Yeah, so, you know, and I love the States, you know, that's where my family and friends are. And I see that that's where I see myself long term. So I think just slowly kind of, well, in the next five, it sounds like the business is already kind of set up to run, you know, like it, ha- it, it can't run with you a hundred percent, like watching it every single second, just because you're sleeping half the time. So you've already kind of set up things to be a little independent from your hands in everything. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. That was pretty early on getting a setup like that. How well early on is probably by necessity, but now it's almost kind of playing to your benefit, right? So even if you come back now, at least you're a little more independent, but how, how big is the team right now? Is it just, uh, yeah. Well, so we have, we work with a co-packer, but uh, we're their largest clients. So they're more like a partner. Um, co-packer is somebody that you outsource your production to, to make your food. Um, but we're the largest client. So they're, uh, Kind of like a partner, um, so they're still contract labor though. But that's a, a four, three to four-ish people there. We've got two full-time remote people online, and we've got a two writers. Um, got a few other contractors that do graphic design, web development, that sort of thing. So roughly maybe seven, eight, you know, yep. ish in that range in that ballpark. It's it's funny now with the combination of remote and part-time and contractors it's kind of like right. like i feel like 20 years ago it used to be like a number like a six now it's like eh, it's like a, a little more fuzzy number right if, if we were like a, a u.s based like come into the office it'd be much easier to define but in like the remote day and age where we've got like you said it's you got all these plus half plus half plus half you know i don't really know how that adds up to, to full-time yep now where do you see things going from here is the goal to build you know kind of is there more buyers you could sell to more backpackers that just haven't heard of you or are there more products you go horizontal like what do you kind of foresee things happening in the future that's a that's a great question i've been um toiling with for um probably the past year really is we've done so much seo focused blog content i mean we're continuing to crank out that stuff um there's a lot i mean we're still relatively small um we've grown a lot over the past four years i think we've on average, nearly doubled in growth every year. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to say by any means I'm not happy with the growth we've had, but I think there's a lot. Like there's still like a ton of backpackers that don't know about us. So like even sticking with just our core, like I think that there's a huge opportunity just sticking with our core and growing with backpackers. So I still want to I still want to do that. Uh, we don't we haven't attacked retail basically at all. So we are all online. Retail has been something that I've been debating whether or not to go for, uh, for a couple of years now, I think the lifestyle would, would be different me approaching retail, but that's something that I've been considering. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, really we've talked about launching, um, different products. Uh, there's stuff I'm working on right now. That's going to be totally uh, different product. And 
I know we're going to be doing some more YouTube next year. So, yeah, really just full front on on marketing and in any way that we can. Hmm. What's that old marketing adage where you're supposed to sell the same product to a different market or a different product to the same market, but you're not allowed to do both? I don't know where <laughs> okay. that came from, but I, I always stick of that one. I think of these no, things. I don't, no, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. I, I was actually reading a, a Harvard Business Review. Was having They had a great way of like the four – there are only four ways to grow a business and it was – you know, like find new customers, sell more to the same customers. Yeah, I don't remember what they all were, but it was just like when I looked at it like that, it was just like, oh, that's that's so interesting because I felt like we had been selling the same product to the same customers and just trying to get more customers, right? That was just like one of the four ways is, is the only way we had been approaching it. Well, and that's one of those things you, you, you do that until that kind of starts the plateau right like you can right like that's why i asked like are there backpackers that haven't heard of you because maybe you're only selling to two percent of them and there's the other 98 that percent that you could just keep doing and you literally just do more of the exact same thing and that's almost always like the first and best thing to do like if if you look and you're like we're one percent of the market we can keep going then great do that but once you kind of know yeah you can see the once you kind of see that coming then i always picture kind of like um like basketball where you can stop and you can pivot on one foot or the other, but you can't do both, right? Like you kind of have to say, no, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And pick, you can pick, pick a direction and go. Yes. Yeah. So is that, is that kind of how you're seeing it? Or? I don't have a sense of what our share is of the backpacking food world. I don't, but um, it's a massive market, right? Like if you know, familiar with mountain house, um, I mean, anything like that, any outdoor food is really the real market, right? Um, any adventure food, right? So that's, a, that's massive. Uh, so I know that we have a small piece of that pie. So I would just say like, I want to, I want a larger chunk of that pie. Yep. Yeah. And that's usually, and that's usually the easiest, right? Because you know how to reach them. You know what to do. You just do more of the same thing versus different product. There's whole learning going to retail. That's who, you know, that's a whole different beast all on itself, right? But you're just saying, if you know what to do, it's still working. There's more market, just double down, triple down now. Totally. Awesome. All right. I think that's super helpful. Um, if folks want to kind of find you, learn more about you, kind of see the latest uh, foods that you're working on, what can they do that? Yeah, we are greenbelly.co. And uh, yeah, if you want to shoot me a note, my, my email is chris at greenbellybar.com. Okay. I'll link to our show notes. Thanks a lot for coming on, Chris. All right, thanks for having me.